listeners, you're welcoming. You're welcoming. Hello, listeners. Uh, you're listening to the third episode of Savage Reading Podcast. And today we're going to be discussing H88H by Lauren Binet, um, a French writer. This is a novel that was originally published in 2009 and tr- then translated in 2012 into English. Um, it, it was it was acclaimed by a number of uh, a number of what, what would we call them lit bros uh, Martin Amis and Brett Easton Ellis loved this book. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about who didn't love this book, um, and which is I think a bunch of history bros. To be honest, <laughs> okay, well it's uh, uh okay it's the it's the war between the. The lip bros and the history bros. Um, the uh, so it's a novel that is set during the Second World War, and um, it's a. It, I guess you. I, I would say it's a. It's sort of a historical mystery novel, although I'm. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, not not in the traditional sense, but it certainly certainly kind of tries to create a mystery. Um, in, in some form, and it's it's around the the subject of Operation Anthropoid, which was the code name for the attempted assassination of Reinhard Heydrich in Prague in 1942. The the sort of divisions and subdivisions and sub subdivisions of the Third Reich are are like just endlessly confusing to mm-hmm. me. Today we've got a special unboxing video of my new 3R GM634 Reinhard Heydrich. It's Operation Anthropod, but we'll get into that whole thing later with the review video. Today is just going to be the unboxing. So here we go. I apologize for the shakiness because I'm having to do this with one hand. And your name is? Nigel Tomlinson. Your occupation? Retired. Your specialist subject? The life of Reinhard Heydrich. The Nazi Heydrich in 90 seconds starting now. Heydrich was described by Hitler as the man with the iron heart and helped to organise the murder of Hitler's political opponents in June and July 1934. What did this series of murders become known as? The Night of the Long Knives. Yes, Heydrich chaired a conference in January 1942 which discussed the final solution to the Jewish question. What was the name of the conference? The Wannsee Conference. Yeah. As the Gestapo's chief from 1934, Heydrich made it an instrument of terror. At its peak, it had 45,000 staff, but it fed off a huge network of spies and informers. Propaganda films encouraged citizens to report to the Gestapo the slightest expression of disloyalty to the Reich. Heydrich, as head of the Gestapo, was doing exactly what the Führer wished. In fact, Heydrich was even outshining his boss, Himmler. SS comrades joked, Himmler's brain is called Heydrich. He was also, after 1939, in charge of setting up the SS mobile killing squads, the so-called Einsatzgruppen, which killed hundreds of thousands of uh, Jews in Eastern Europe over the course of the Second World War. Finally, in September 1941, uh, Hitler ordered uh, Heydrich to go to Prague to assume the role of Reich Protector of Bohemia and Moravia. Um, There was a British operation to kill Heydrich that involved parachuting Czech agents into Czechoslovakia. Heydrich died from wounds he received in that attack. What was the operation's code name? Anthropoid. Yes. The plot originated in London in the summer of 1941, 
where the Czech president in exile, Edward Benesch, uh, liaised with uh, the British intelligence services over the possibility of um, a high-powered, spectacular assassination. Quite quickly, uh, it became clear that Heydrich was going to be the target as soon as he was sent to uh, Prague in September 1941. The reason why Heydrich was chosen had relatively little to do with the fact that um, he was in charge of the Holocaust, but much more that he was a major threat to the Czech resistance. As soon as he arrived in Prague, he cracked down uh, very hard on the resistance, rounded up some of the leading figures, and there was a real danger that the resistance movement would be wiped out altogether. So there is my butcher of Prague. He's a he's a pretty cool guy. Now, one thing I will be doing is putting him in a tall body. It's an important historical story, but I mean, um, a lot of the question that Binet is trying to come to grips with, right, is like, where is that dividing line between historical minutiae and like good character and good plot and things like that? Because he doesn't consider himself a historian at all. I, I did find out that his father was a, uh, a proper historian, but Binet doesn't think he is. I don't think he thinks he is. Yeah, so there's there's like a moment in in sort of early on in the novel when he, he gives us this this scene from Reinhard Heydrich's childhood when he's at, at school and he, he kind of sets a, a scene so he says the teacher calls the pupils one by one. Reinhard Heydrich, Reinhardt steps forward, but another child raises a hand. Sir, why don't you call him by his real name? Shiver of pleasure spreads through the class. And it goes on uh, like this. Um, and then there's a little bit of dialogue at the end why, uh, where Reinhardt is talking to his, his father. Why is there a war, father? Because France and England are jealous of Germany, my son. Why are they jealous? Because the Germans are stronger than they are. Then the very next section, because that's like one of the sort of odd things about this, because it's, it's written in sort of these very kind of small sections, almost sort of micro chapters. I don't know if you would call them chapters. The very next section... So it ends on that on that little bit of dialogue, and then this uh, is like one of the sort of typical moments of this novel, where he he kind of jumps back into the present or into the present of the novel's writing that he's trying to create, um, and he he comments on the way that he's just started writing this novel. So he says, "There's nothing more artificial in a historical narrative than this kind of dialogue." reconstructed from more or less first-hand accounts with the idea of breathing life into the dead pages of history. In stylistic terms, this process has certain similarities with hypotyposis, which means making a scene so lifelike that it gives the reader the impression he can see it with his own eyes. What he seems to be really very self-conscious about in, in this novel, and I, but this is what he, he, he does this throughout the novel, which is he... He, he kind of jumps back and forward between these compositions that are sort of carefully constructed or reconstructed um, scenes from from history with this uh, with this commentary about how he's constructed or how he's reconstructed those scenes. I think that 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 he is as interested in 
the the sort of process of writing a historical novel or writing a history but not just that he's also kind of interested in in what actually makes particular uh histories or particular historical stories like interesting to this or that individual because one of the things he's always doing in this uh this novel is he's always kind of sort of self-interrogating a little bit about why he actually wants to write this thing there there's a there's an argument i think to be made about this novel right that it's not even so much about the assassination of reinhard heydrich by uh jan kubish and what's the other guy's name uh uh gobchik yeah i can't remember yeah uh kubish and gobchik right is is um there's a lot about that that He's writing this because he really loves Prague. It's it's clearly his favorite city in Europe. He's writing this because he's trying to work out some shit with his girlfriend. Um, he's writing this because he's he's in a little bit of a competition with his father. Because these are these are sort of characters that kind of come up in the 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 novel itself. He can't or doesn't really want to totally separate this historical story from what's really going on with him personally and and so when when you get to those points where he 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 gets into the interrogation of the construction of a narrative scene that to be perfectly honest he he knows that he could never really know the details of it's it's sort of like a continuity between the the scene itself and i think what's going on with himself as a as not really just a writer, but as a human being as well. So, so does that do make you, sense? It does make sense, but it makes me... I think you're right. I think there's the, the, the focus on himself and on, on the sort of the personal quest to, to tell this particular story um, is, is really important. And I, I, when I was reading it, I, I, was, I was much more... Uh, much more interested in the idea of of how to tell a true story, which is one of the one of the kind of questions I think the novel asks. How do you tell a true story about something that happened in the past that there that there's no definitive evidence for the 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 absolute truth? And I guess the other side of that is like why why do you need the absolute truth? Is there a kind of isn't history kind of made up of general truths in some way anyway because this is a very this is a very particular story and he and he does you know he does set out to tell it as accurately as possible and also in a way that that draws attention that by, by himself he chooses to draw attention to all of the places where it may be inaccurate and where he's had to rely on on more imaginative techniques of of more fictional techniques to fill in the gaps and he wants you know he wants us to be very aware of all of that stuff but at the same time he's he's constructed this this incredibly detailed narrative but on the other hand if that narrative if that that research and that part of the story was the result only of uh, a man in Paris who was having to deal with a lot of shit. Then, equally, he could have he could have just written the historical novel and and 
and have had dealt with his shit. But the thing about this novel is that he wants to give us the incredibly detailed historical narrative in all its kind of self-consciousness. But he also wants to give us the story of all of that shit. And that seems to pose a question about the relationship between the two different stories that he's telling here. Oh, well, all right. So uh, just one example from the book. I can't remember what what like page or chapter it's on, right? Is where um, he, he is worried that he has gotten the color of Heydrich's car. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Heydrich and his driver down the street and then Kubitsch and, and Gobchik ambush the car and throw a bomb at it and, and try to shoot it. But apparently the, uh, the gun um, jammed, right? Like, um, he he's really worried like in his in his sort of memory because he actually has seen the original car in a museum but that's all the way over in prague and and he's in paris in his memory it's black but then he comes across a different source that suggests that it's like dark green Mm -hmm. and um and he he like really worries about whether or not he he got that. And at least at one point, he also talks about how he confers with his girlfriend there. Um, like, like, did you see a black car? Or did you see a dark green car when we went to that museum or something like that? And um, it's, it, it's a, like, it's an interesting way to, to say that, that he is kind of exposing the the dirty underside of a lot of historical research in the the sense that um, historical reconstruction does have to deal with things on like intuition, um, personal anecdote, um, conferring with somebody else who's not an expert, but just may have happened to be there as well. Sometimes like bowing to a higher authority um, even though you don't necessarily know why you think they're a, a better authority, but you, do you know, see what I'm saying? There is that is that he he's sort of like exposing a lot of the aspects of historical research that, to be perfectly honest, aren't really what you would call so much research, but almost just sort of like um, mapping out, you know, what mapping out the possibilities. So he's exposing he's exposing the 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 subjectivity of of the process of doing historical research that uh, in a proper historical research project would usually become sort of sublimated in the final account with all of its references to to all these sources of of information and documents and evidence and archives and all those things what they would not register in in those works is the the kind of psychological state of the historian as they go around their business and also the the kind of i guess the 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 doubts that he has because of things like failures of memory that these are kind of things that that don't usually get recorded in proper history the thing is that since it was published now we we've kind of like entered into this um, realm which which some people have uh, have started to to talk about in terms of the the post truth or the post factual era, um, which I think more of a way of ex- of 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 a certain kind of group of people trying to 
find a way to ex- explain what happens when the version of the world that they think is factual turns out to not be the version that everybody else thinks is factual. But um, yeah. but this but is but whether whatever the the sort of politics of declaring a post factual era. Um, it's we're still I think it's still a recognizable issue in the world today that there seems to be a, there seems to be some kind of uh, the public sphere where where people speak to each other is a place where um, there's a lot of suspicion um, so that so that every everything that is considered fact is is sort of endlessly contestable and by there's always somebody who's willing to and 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 sort of able to express some opposition to to anything that has been declared factual so so the question of what is a fact and how do we construct fact and how do we construct truth and how do we how do we know when something is true what what matters in determining truth which is like a key sort of core theme of this novel like what i did before we we started recording was i um i i went to the amazon website and i just found the worst reviews i could find okay um and i wanted to read a couple of them because they're kind of interesting uh some of them were interesting so this is one of the the one star reviews okay I don't understand what the author was trying to do here. This is not a novel having no discernible plot structure nor characters. <laughs> that that's just not true. <laughs> like, nor I mean, is it. It's, it's all. It's also like the. It, it, how can you say it has no discernible plot structure? It's it's it, it's like actually about the story of a, a plot or an assassination. I mean, it's it's a plot. <laughs> to to be. To be fair to this this reviewer, like <laughs> Binet does kind of push the the plot, like the assassination of Heydrich and then the the sort of several days after it. Like he does kind of push it away until the end of the book. And there's a lot of buildup. Like the first half of it is really more kind of building up context rather mm-hmm. than actually having a plot. Um, yeah, this is not a novel having no discernible plot structure nor characters, nor is it a history since it lacks evidence and authority and is often pure conjecture. Um, the egocentric (laughs) writing style annoyed me and all I gained from reading it was the idea that I'd like to visit the Czech Republic and some graphic images of Nazi atrocities I'd rather not have read. (laughs) The 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 idea that like it lacks evidence is I think kind of speaking to your um the the your your like worry about whether or not this is sort of introducing the problem of like a post fact world um, because Binet is trying to like try to think through um, an incident where a lot of the evidence is just lacking right mm. how do you like how do you write something where um where you don't have all the facts at your disposal i would say most of the the sort of negative reviews of this book were really from this perspective of like this has not done justice to the history of world war 2 and the thing is is that 
I definitely see that as kind of coming from the place of like, oh gosh, now we don't have any kind of a consensus around particular historical events or even really what a fact means. But, but then again, it's not, it's not clear that we ever really did. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I guess like something that's, that's happened now that that's quite disturbing is that where, where maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, yes, there, there were still, there were, there were still um, figures in in circulation, um, who who went around um, writing writing books and doing lectures on uh, like that that were denying the Holocaust or or like or or sort of revisioning the Holocaust, um, the 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 history of the Holocaust and finding finding ways to 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 try to discredit the 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 sort of the 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 facts associated with it like things like things like um you know like they would they would there are there would be people who who might um who might just totally deny the whole thing as a conspiracy but then then there was the kind of more malicious stuff like um like people like David Irving who I believe um like focuses his attention on like the the question of like the 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 intentionality of of Hitler and how responsible Hitler is, and and would would find all these kind of like little details or gaps in in the historical record that he could yeah. then kind of um, use to 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 sort of discredit the whole story. Basically, like the, the the logic of it is, well, if we can't if we can't entirely be sure be sure of this detail, then how can we be sure of anything? And that those people existed and um and still exist. But but what what seems to be disturbing at the moment is that is that it's almost as if we've lost like the confidence to to entirely um discredit them. Like it's it's almost like it, it used to be that that the the broad kind of sense of things was that those people were you know some people believed that stuff but they were just they were just wrong um whereas whereas now it seems like the 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 sort of lines between between like what we what we're certain of and what we we kind of allow ourselves i mean <laughs> i'm saying ourselves i'm speaking on behalf of everybody that's not what that's not what i mean but i think like in the in the in the sort of public discourse there's less confidence about about being able to entirely um, discredit or push to the side views like that that are that are clearly have like uh, have a political kind of motivation, and that's that's what seems to have have changed. It's hard to it's hard to entirely um, put my my finger on it. But this but this novel this novel is interesting because obviously it's it's. It's not at all uh, 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 attempting to to discredit the history of the Holocaust. In many ways, in many ways, it's about kind of. Um, uh, in some ways, I think it clarifies yeah, some well, of the. Yeah, like, it, I, I mean, this is the like the one of the things I really take issue about the 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 review I just read is that where it says like. All I gained from reading this was some graphic images of Nazi atrocities I'd rather not have read. And the thing is, is that um, 
I think that that uh, like even though this isn't really about a, no- a novel about the Holocaust at all, like the he he makes a pretty compelling case of why the Holocaust happened the way it did because he shows some of the the things that like um, the SS were doing sort of pre Holocaust um, and you can start bu- like he starts building up a, a rationale. But no, he doesn't question the Holocaust at all. He kind of clarifies it for mm. me. If I if I could sort of go back to this idea of like post truth and in like a new anxiety about like discrediting um, things like Holocaust denial, right? Well, or or just sort of any sort of politicized um, sort of revision of history. And why I don't think this book kind of falls in with any just sort of like post-fact, post-truth uh, sort of rubric, right, is because all of the difficulties and doubts that he throws in aren't a way of saying like, look, we just live in a post-truth world. We live in a post-fact world. Um, it is a way of saying that we can actually get to a a consensus of what actually did happen in the past but the thing is it takes work because all of those difficulties that he's throwing in there are really just what in in a much more kind of bland sense we just call the work of doing research right and he says like it's going to take work and and we got it to sort of admit to ourselves that on some level that work never really ends but we just got to uh, commit ourselves to it. And I think the the sort of um, anxieties around uh, a kind of post-truth, post-fact, zeitgeist, whatever, is that we want our cake and uh, we want our cake and, and eat it too, right? In the sense that we we want the, our our sort of like consensus narratives about history, politics, society. But we've lost a certain ability or willingness to kind of put forth the effort to to like dig into that kind of critical thinking of like, all right, what what's bullshit and what's actually credible? Does that mm. make sense? Like that, that makes, yeah, it, I think it, I mean it, it makes sense to me. And in particular, I think as well as as well as showing how much a, like how a fact is not something that. Um, like especially when we're talking about about history, and um, when we're talking about about things that we that we can't see directly in front of us, um, a, a fact d- is is determined by all of the all of the effort that goes in, like the social um effort to just to, to sort of to construct the 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 context of the fact the fact doesn't exist by itself it has to exist within within all these other kind of forms of of knowledge so so whether that's whether that's something like a, a historical archive or whether it's um like a, a sort of a scientific field or whether it's a a, a kind of a cultural memory of some sort in any in any case the fact the fact is sort of one of many facts that 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 is sort of constituted by and constitutes the 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 places that support it but it's on but the thing is that is that i think 
what you were what you were saying sort of makes me think that actually while we while it is possible to, to reach consensus around facts, part of what that effort is to reach that is the fact is the is the fact that that a fact is is sort of endlessly contestable. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was saying that that you can't use the word fact now yeah. because you've you problematized that word so yeah. much. Yeah, but, but but I think I think what I was what, um, you you introduced my yeah in, in, interrupted my flow there. Um, the, no, no, the, I say uh, that you said that like the the fact is endlessly contestable. Yeah, right? yeah, and and, I, the, and the point is that um that the novel actually I think there's something really interesting about what the novel says about facts, which is. On the one hand, you know, it's, it shows all of that effort. It shows how much like, concentrated determination goes into into arriving at a, a, a sort of an, a, a reasonably accurate um, narrative that, that has some claim to fact. But for the very same reason, it also shows us how, how vulnerable a fact really is because because at the end of the day it's like that the, the, i think it's is something that he says like in the in the first pages um isn't the, the first line yeah gabchik that's his name really did exist it's that sense of like the assertion it really did exist it really did happen that that you have to for a fact to for a fact to have any meaning you have to be able to keep reasserting that really did happen really did exist like that that sort of that emphasis on on the on the truth of it and when in a society people start to question the, the truth of the fact then then the fact sort of starts to that that consensus falls away and it no longer it is no longer able to be the support of all those kind of um, other things that is that it was related to before. I kind of wanted to talk uh, talk about this a little bit more as like a novel. He still is always like thinking about like tensions and um, like drama and tragedy and like the the more kind of strictly literary stuff. Mm. And um, I think that that I wanted to talk a, a little bit about this one um, this one sort of sh- brief chat like they're all brief chapters, but like the the chapter about the the Ukrainian death match, right? He talks about um, this uh, this series of, of football matches between um, Germany and um, the the Ukrainian team in Kiev, right? Um, and like at that point. Kiev is under German occupation, but Germany is sort of like um, they're organizing football matches as a way to uh, make basically make sure people don't kill each other. Even though this does sort of end in death is the uh, the Ukrainian team seems to be very, very good and they're they they are beating the German team and they're basically threatened, you know, at halftime that if they don't throw the match, the Germans will kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they ultimately don't throw the match. And then there's a second uh, match after that. And they beat the Germans again. And a lot of the, the players, 
get basically um, executed like at various points thereafter. And um, I wanted to read the last paragraph there because it, it's it's really interesting in terms of the the sense of style that that Binet is employing. But he said there are. An, there are an unbelievable number of different versions of this legendary death match. Some say there was actually a third game, one by the Ukrainians with a score of eight to zero, and that it was only after this that the players were arrested and killed. But the version I've recounted seems the most credible to me, and in any case, all the versions share the same broad outline. I'm worried that there are some errors in what I've written. Since this subject has no direct link with Heydrich, I haven't had time to investigate more deeply. But I, I didn't want to write about Kiev without mentioning this incredible story. Right? And what's interesting to me there is that, one, he, he admits that, that he's certainly not, he's not clear on like the actual events because it seems to be almost like folk legend at this point. And that they're like, you know, depending on who you ask, there's a different uh, version. But there's also that kind of admission. There's a, a double admission. There is one that this story ultimately has nothing whatsoever to do with the assassination of Heydrich. But at the same time, it was just like emotionally, he really felt like he, he couldn't write this novel and write a, a section about Kiev without just sort of throwing it in there. Hmm. And... um the, the sort of admission that there's a kind of emotional attachment to what's going on here is um, much more, I think, in line with, uh, with Binet as a novelist rather than Binet as a historian. Because like, I, I, like we were talking about a little earlier, the, the emotional attachment in histories proper is, you know, at the very least, something that you restrict to a preface yeah it, it reminds me of a, a there's a there's a bit where he says um at the end of like a chapter he says this is something like, this scene is not really useful and I, I i practically made it up i don't think i'm going to keep it or something yeah, like yeah, that um yeah. and and so there's this there's this sense that he yes yeah, so he wants he wants to he wants to have um, I guess have his cake and eat it with with like the fact that he's writing a novel, but it's a it's a novel that it's a novel that sort of on some level has a lot of anxieties about being a novel and anxieties about what the novel form does to a story about history because telling a story in the form of a novel automatically raises questions about its truthfulness. Yeah. But at the same time, when he when he feels like it, he enjoys the fact that he's got a novel because it, because it allows him like that the freedom to make things up if he needs to or to digress if he needs to it, it seems like that, that question of the 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 novel's novelness is is something important to to what we were just talking about in terms of truth because in in any novel you know when like it's it's kind of a standard thing in a in in a, in fiction writing, you know when the narrator's telling you that he's telling truth when he's when he's telling you the whole truth and nothing but the truth, that's usually the point when you're supposed to doubt him the most. And why is it different 
in this novel. The the sort of moments where um, where he he says like, look, this has nothing really to do with Hydric, and I'm not entirely clear on it. Like this is the 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 bit right um, where I think it, the the real dividing line between who liked this novel and who hated this novel. Uh, like he, I think he's really driving a wedge uh, between the those two two camps. Uh, because when I was reading through all of like the negative reviews, a lot of this stuff was like, he's not doing justice to this. How dare he um, like write a historical novel without footnotes? Um, how dare he uh, like throw in um, his sort of uh, like anxieties about writing uh, this because what you, what I got from like reading those was there was this sense of like these, a- these anonymous Amazon reviewers standing in as like the, the sort of defender of the, the honor of history itself. Um, Which is a role that Amazon reviewers do like to play. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's kind of really it's really weird when you think about it because, um, like, what who is this, you know, like JB one two three to be like the defender of like the memory of the Holocaust or the 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 memory of like the the Czech resistance? It's 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 a really really odd thing to to be doing, and that's why like, but isn't that? I feel like if if like uh, even though this this is a novel about a really serious subject matter, I feel like if you don't have a sense of humor, you will not like this book because there there is a certain absurdity to it all. And like after a while reading these these re- reviews, I just kept thinking of like Walter in the Big Lebowski where he just uh, like shouts like am I the only one here who gives a shit about the rules? <laughs> It's interesting what you said about the about like the sort of absurdity of the of the Amazon reviews though because in a in a sense those those Amazon reviewers who have kind of like you know taken up their uh, their keyboards to to defend the like the sort of factual um, historical record doesn't that whatever is driving those those people to do that isn't that doesn't that show us so much about uh, about the 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 sort of uh, some sort of anxiety that that is around us that 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 people feel the the need to 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 do such like what seems like such a sort of um, minuscule and minimal sort of intervention, but to do it with such a sense of necessity is that because of the of something in the air. That that makes people feel like they like that history is under threat in some way. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And I mean, it's it, it's sort of interesting uh, or sort of ironic, I guess, right? Where you you have this sort of camp, right? That that wants to to say like. Look, there, there are the facts and there are the non-facts. And facts don't care about your feelings. In order to explain that facts don't care about your feelings, I am going to write a thousand-word, heavily indignant, you know, uh, Amazon <laughs> review 
um, in such a way that I can, you know, like I can, I'm reading some of these Amazon reviews and I can see like the veins popping out of like this angry white man's forehead. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, um, it's like that, even though facts don't care about your feelings, they're clearly very angry about, about this, like this French, you know, pretentious upstart. Um, and <laughs> There, there, there's some, there, there's some points where I, I really feel like the, the, the emotional res, resonance that like, where he doesn't want to be dispassionate about this and he wants to, to be, um, he wants to be as emotionally involved in this story are, are like the best parts to it. And I, um, I wanted to read just, uh, I, this is chapter 222, um, where like this is like the moment when when they throw the bomb at Hydrick's car, he uh, I was rereading this earlier today and it actually it, it was really affecting to me. But um, he said he writes, the bomb explodes and instantly the windows on the tram opposite are blown out. The Mercedes jumps a few feet in the air. Fragments from the uh, explosion hit Kubish in the face and hurl him backwards. A cloud of smoke fills the air. Screams burst from the smashed tram. An SS jacket laid out on the back seat flies upward. For several seconds, this is all the suffocating witnesses see. A black uniform floating above a cloud of dust. It is, in any case, all I can see. The jacket twisting and spiraling gracefully like a dead leaf while the aftershock of the explosion travels calmly outward to echo as far away as Berlin and London. Like that move there that, that Binet makes where he, he is sort of describing Heydrich's jacket flying up in the air from the explosion. And then he sort of admits that as a novelist, that's the only image that I can focus on. That that's ballsy. It, it works. It works. Yeah. And it's well, and it's also it also is a is a payoff for all of the kind of all of the kind of novel up until that point. All of that, all of that kind of attention to to detail, both in terms of like the historical detail itself. Also, the like the the detail about like how uh, how the narrative is is being told, how it's being constructed, and all of that kind of personal emotional detail, all all of that all that stuff that he's been kind of moving back and forward between in this in this very sort of hyper self conscious way, and and part of that is is this sort of is a is a self consciousness exactly about about like about novel writing itself and then in this moment i think the, the kind of like most significant thing for me is that it's a moment where after all of that factual detail he's kind of demonstrating something that's that's really important about our ability to construct fiction which is that he uses his imagination and he he uses imagination to construct something that there couldn't be any evidence of, and nobody yeah. could know. Like this is this is like the 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 moment in the the novel and or in the historical um uh, in the historical narrative or or in in history that 
that that nobody could know. You could not you could not know the experience of that bomb exploding and what happens in the middle yeah. of that cloud of dust. So it's a so so in the middle of this novel that's 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 all about or or all about like um the like the dangers of novel writing in some way he he kind of falls back on on this basic act of 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 imagination and 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 empathy in a way that that um that actually is it's almost a, a defense of the novel that he's that he's written in this moment like it, he does have to resort to that kind of pure act of imagination like there is no historical basis for saying that Heydrich's jacket spiraled like a dead leaf like there's just no there's no um there's no way of, of justifying that from the 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 view of of like uh, a work of history yeah and uh, and, and, and 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 what and i guess like what he shows us is that that a work of a work of fiction and 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 this kind of an, an imaginative work? What what is able to do by sort of by releasing itself from the from the grasp of of um, of sort of evidence based fact is that it is that it it can it can allow us to it allows us to see something more than otherwise we would be able to see. It 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 shows us it it tells us something that it's hard to put into other words, which is why I'm struggling to to, to say what it tells us. That's that's literary writing. It's it's constructing constructing images that don't necessarily have to be reducible to an explanation, but in themselves have have the ability to communicate something. And there's something about about. That, that metaphor of the the dead leaf in that moment in the novel because it's it's significant both well precisely because it's a metaphor precisely because he's he's kind of fallen back on it or led up to it um, depending on how you look at it so in itself it sort of stands out as a bit of poetic writing um suddenly in the middle of this or towards the end of this novel but it's also that that like as a as a piece of um sort of metaphorical writing it it's it, it's its value is is its image the the image that it creates is is what it is so it doesn't tell us something what what i'm saying is it doesn't tell us something more than a historical like a a, a a a historical narrative that had just set out to tell the facts would have told us it doesn't tell us something more factually but it allows us to imagine the whole thing in a different way yeah i um, mean maybe just to, to to kind of wrap up um like uh i i I have like um, in my notes, like in the the inside flap of the book. I, I'm not entirely sure why I wrote this, but I just put Benet is a loser, and <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to think of why I I was trying to remember why I actually um, did that, and I think it was because at the uh, um, at the end, like there are a couple of points in the the. Um, 
in the, the, the novel, particularly towards the end, like he wants to write kind of in the voice of like Gobchik or Kubish, or he wants to kind of like insert himself b- beside them. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, I think that that's sort of one of the, the, the sort of subtext of this, um, this, this book is that he, I think he really feels himself like to be in utter awe of these guys, like, and that, that he could never really like live up to them. But at the same time, like maybe like writing this book is a way to, um, is a way to like imagine yourself as, as like alongside these two men that you can, well, I mean, he, he even talks about just like all of the anonymous people that like helped them, like how, like they're just absolute heroes. Whereas he's just like this, this sort of like sad guy who is like, uh, having arguments with his dad and is doing, um, substandard research on this historical event and is, um, probably in like a relationship that's falling apart. Um, and yeah, by the end of it, like he, he does, uh, he, like he's got them elevated so high that all I could think of was like, maybe, maybe he's just really sad about himself <laughs> and that you like that his one, like kind of wish in life is that he could actually just sort of be part of an event that was as sort of world changing as, as like, world war two which to anybody who is actually in world war two is the the stupidest thing anybody could want to think yeah and it well it says and it says something about it says something about how we think about history in a wider sense because you know we we do we do look back at at, um at world war two and like you know culturally it's seen through narratives of heroism i mean that's that's one aspect of it you know think of it like you know saving private ryan or something like that you know there's that there is that kind of that like so so in a way like is he is he he's he's drawing attention to to something again through this through that kind of the subjective aspect of that of the story he is he's kind of saying something about uh a wider way that we that we relate to that history yeah so maybe we're all losers <laughs> yeah no i think that like he i think that he might think that we're all we're all sort of losers but not not in a fairly like not a not in a really pessimistic sense but it, it's just more of an ironic sense like you know that's just our lot <laughs>